the Israelites were being enslaved, beaten, horribly treated. And they'd actually come to a place in their work and their relationship with the Egyptians that they were being asked really to do the impossible. And in not being able to do the impossible, it just gave more reason to the Egyptians to to beat them and to treat them so poorly. But it was in that context that they got to see the ten plagues of God fall on Egypt and a power displayed like maybe never in history before from, from heavens down to the earth. There was another time the, the Israelites were just starving, hungry. How do I feed my kids? How do I feed myself? And, and this stuff, this stuff fell out of heaven. They called it manna. And boy, it was there on the ground every day for 40 years. Another time they were so thirsty. I mean, you ever, you ever been a little bit thirsty? Go get your bottled water. I'm talking about desert thirsty. I'm talking about nothing to drink in the desert. Tongue kind of stuck to the top of your mouth, kind of thirsty. And that's when they saw God bring water from a rock. And today we're going to see the Israelites trapped, fearful of their lives. Oh, but we're going to see the parting of the Red Sea. You know, it's hard not to read through this section of the Bible and think, you know, God, why, why don't you do stuff like that today? I mean, wouldn't that be cool to see? What, don't you, don't every now and then you think, boy, if I could see something like that, I mean, I don't know that we say it out loud, but don't we kind of think it'd be easier to believe? I, I, I'd be easier to believe, God, if you would show those kinds of things today. But, but I wonder why we certainly want to see the miracle do we really want to be in the conditions that's set up for those miracles? We're continuing today our 42-lesson trek through the Bible. We're committed here at the Heights to working through the whole Bible this year in 2019. And that has us doing, as I just said, a 42-week curriculum that we're studying in life groups, those that in homes, those in here on campus. And, uh, and I'm following that same curriculum and looking at those same lessons. And so it's kind of a one-two punch each week on that particular area of the Bible. We've already been seven Seven weeks through Genesis. We're now working our way on a, on a seven week study from Exodus all the way to Judges. And of course, while we do this as a, as a family, we're encouraging you, the individual, read through your Bible this year. You know, a lot of times when we think of that idea, reading through the Bible in a year, where I think we get stuck thinking that can only begin on January 1st. I think it can start on March 10th. I think you can start right now and go to March 9th of, of next year and, and that'll work. There's a lot of ways to accomplish this. Hey, maybe you're somebody that has a little bit of a drive time uh, every, every day. If you use our church app, we have a, a Bible reading plan in there that has an audio option. So you can listen. I'm not encouraging you to read while you drive. Don't misunderstand me. You can listen to that portion of that day read out loud as you drive. Man, there's so many ways to accomplish this. Jump in there. Don't let a, a few missed days. Don't let a late start keep 
keep you from this blessing. The Bible promises us a great blessing when we read, when we hear, and when we keep God's word. And we're going to go grab that blessing all together, right? We're, we're going to do that as a large family coming before the Lord, obeying Him, reading His Word. And today, that has us in truly one of the great moments, one of the great miracles in all the Bible, the parting of the Red Sea. Look with me today at Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14, uh, second book in your Bible, Genesis, Exodus Get to there, and uh, it's a rather long chapter, and I'm going to read the whole thing, but it's a good story, so hang on, and uh, you might want to, you know, hold your nose. Exodus chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Pi-Hiroth, between Migdal and the sea, in front of Baal-Zephon. You shall encamp facing it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, they're wandering in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And he will pursue them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed toward the people. And they said, what what have we done? Man, we've let our slaves go. So so he made ready his chariot and took his army with him and took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army, and overtook them encamped by the sea at Pi-Hiroth in front of Baal-Zephon. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. I I guess so. (laughs) And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. Now listen to this. They said to Moses, is it because there's no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm. And see the salvation of the Lord, which will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff. Stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I've gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the angel of God who was going before the host of Israel moved and went before them. And the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was a cloud and the darkness, and it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. 
Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And in the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of flour and of in a pillar of fire and of cloud, looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians." Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea and the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. As the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen of all the host of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. We probably could add to that last line. They feared the Lord and believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses for the moment. (laughs) It won't last very long. Wow, you know, folks, as I just said, this is... This is truly one of the great miracles, one of the great stories. I I think probably of all the miracles in the Bible, there's not as much written on, researched, debated, and discussed, except maybe the resurrection of Christ. And boy, there are some just some crazy things and ideas and debates that come out of this. Everything from we have found chariots in the bottom of the sea, which is not actually true. Uh, we have found chariots to debates over where. The Red Sea is kind of a long, thin sea, and it has a couple of fingers that come out of it. I mean, there are some very thin places to cross, and so debates over where that might have happened. I think my favorite part in the discussion of the Red Sea is trying to explain how it happened. It's a miracle. You understand that by definition, that means it can't be explained. You don't bring a natural explanation to a supernatural event. You know, I think there's a couple of reasons why people try to explain this, how it could have happened. One, there are those, I think, with more of a a negative take on it. They're they're trying to remove the miracle. They're they're trying to say there was no miracle here. Maybe another one, I I think maybe somebody that does believe it's a miracle, but is trying to help us work through and see how it could have happened. I think maybe in some people's mind, that makes it more believable. That, that makes it more real if we can understand how God m- might have done this. I, I don't know, folks. I need a God who can do some things that I can't explain. I, I'm, I'm kind of anticipating he can do that. Kind of like I'm anticipating he can raise me from the dead. Can't totally explain what that will look like or how it will happen. But I'm counting on God to do that, aren't you? You know, the Bible says some things that are challenging. 
some, some things that are like, man, I, I've never seen anything like that. I, 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 don't, I don't know. But you know, folks, here's the good news. There's things in the Bible that can't really be proven. You can't historically prove the Red Sea. There, there, there's no ability to say, here's how we know this happened. We take that story by faith. But it's not faith in the unbelievable. The Bible has a tremendous history of being proven over and over and over and over, never disproven, never shown to be lying. So while it might be hard for me to grasp how something like the Red Sea would have happened, my God in part the Red Sea. My God. Can we applaud God for that? I think, you know, shouldn't we? Hey, Lord, that was pretty cool. (laughs) I'd have paid a ticket to see that. Now, here's the funny thing. Did you notice in the story I read that none of the eyewitnesses of that great miracle wanted to be there? Not one of them. That they actually said, God, we're sorry we trusted you. We're sorry that we followed you. We're sorry that we followed that, that fool, Moses, out to this place. I wish we had never trusted you. Mm. You know, folks, that's why I say a moment ago, it's easy to want miracles. It's not easy to be in the circumstances that require them. You know, none of us wants to be trapped. None of us wants to feel like we're in a place in life where we are trapped. But that's where they are right now. Man, I don't want to be trapped. You don't want to be... Not maybe... Let's forget the Red Sea for a moment. You and I don't want to be trapped in a place where our only escape is for God to be God. Now, we'll come in here and we'll sing about God being God. We'll praise God. We'll say we believe in great miracles. But don't put me in a situation where the only thing I have to hold on to is God being God. Because those are hard circumstances, right? Chances are we all go through our Red Seas, right? We all have a Red Sea. It may not involve any water. It may not involve a wall on the right and a wall on the left. But we have those places we feel trapped. We need, we have those places we, we desperately need God to move into, into work. And I think as we walk through the sea, as we walk through this great story, there's a, a couple of phrases. I thought whole long story. I think it took me almost five minutes to read it. I I want us to walk through the other side and just walk out with a couple of phrases. Just a couple of phrases from that story. The the first phrase phrase is, verses 3 and 4. They wandered and I will get glory. They, They wandered. They wandered. You know, folks, the truth is, if we put ourselves in the story, we're in a place, like the Israelites, don't really want to be there. I, I, I don't want to be... Want, God purposely led them to wander. Now, you and I know the end of the story. That's what makes it hard for us to, to feel what the Israelites are feeling. We, we know the end of the story. We know what God is doing. We, yes, He's leading them to wander, but he, He's setting them up for something big. But they feel trapped. And boy, the feelings of being trapped are, are real, aren't they? My guess is there's some people in here right now. That's exactly where you are at this moment. You're feeling trapped in, a, in maybe a really bad situation at work. 
Uh, maybe you're trapped in a decision and, and maybe because of what somebody else is doing, you don't see a way out, you can't get out, you feel like the situation or a person has some kind of control on you and you're, you're, you're trapped in that moment. And you, maybe you read this and think, God, did you trap me? You know, I don't know that the passage says here that every time you and I feel trapped, it's because God put us there. We, we can get trapped because it's just the evil and harm of other people, right? I bet once or twice we've been trapped because we're stupid sometimes, aren't we? <laughs> Come on, let's be honest, folks. I don't like feeling trapped, but woohoo, I built this whole wall right here for myself. I did this to me. <laughs> you know, I wish there was some kind of formula in the story where I could figure out, okay, am I trapped because of my wrongdoing? Am I trapped because of somebody else's wrongdoing? Oh, please let it be God. I'm trapped because, because you, you put me here. But it doesn't give us a formula like that, does it? You know, may, maybe when we're at that place, some of you there right now, maybe we pray, hey, hey, Lord, I don't know. I'm feeling a little bit lost right now. I kind of feel like I'm wandering. Feel, I'm feeling a little bit trapped. I don't know if this is what you're doing. You know, I said, I don't know if this is what you're doing in that prayer. But, but maybe we could pray, Lord, I, however I got to being trapped. <laughs> However I got to being here, would you use it for your glory? Would you use this for your glory? May you be seen. I pray my fear. Our fear can cover up God's glory from being seen. Because we're making such, in our fear, all people see is us going nuts. In our fear, we act in ways that we move away. I'm sorry I ever trusted you. Isn't that what we just saw? Our, our, our fear really can cover up God being seen. Man, God, could you pray that right now? Do you have something in your life right now? Man, Lord, I don't, I don't want to be here. I don't know how I got here. But God, I'm here. Would you use it for your glory? Do you have a place right now? God, would you, could you use this for your glory? Is there any place we would not want to pray that? You know, I may not always be able to figure out what's God, what's the world, what's me, what, how did this happen, how did this get here? But at the end of the day, God's in control, isn't he? And at the end of the day, if I want to join him, then I need to join his purposes and his purpose is, is that he get glory. I mean, it says that very clear. I will make them wander, so I will get glory. Now, folks, God isn't saying he wants to get glory because he's attention starved. You know, he's just a little bit self-centered, poor self-image. If we're not down here clapping for him periodically, he gets lonely. That, that's not what God getting glory is, is about. Folks, God getting glory is the best thing he can do for you. Because when we don't see His glory and when we don't see His power, you and I, the created beings, will give glory that belongs only to the Creator. We'll start giving that to, to everyone and everything around us, including ourselves. And when you and I are putting glory in the wrong place, we do stupid stuff. We just do. Go to school, go to work tomorrow, and see if you can count a hundred different stupid things people are doing 
Because they've made something else more important in life. They've made something else bigger in life. Folks, when you and I get to see, wait a minute, wait a minute, there's one Lord, there's one God, there's one glory, there's one power. Man, when you and I see that and acknowledge that, we're going to be our very smartest in that moment. We're going to be our very strongest in that moment. And we're going to have the ability to find meaning in some of the most meaningless situations in life. God's doing the Israelites a favor to show them His glory. And while it might sound strange, since most of them ended up dead, there were Egyptians at home. Folks, God was doing the Egyptians a favor who served a multitude of gods and in serving that multitude of gods wreaked out great evil on their neighbor. They needed to see there's one true God. And he doesn't call for the things you're doing for all those false gods. God was doing the Egyptians a favor in showing his glory. God was doing the whole world a favor when we get to see there is one Lord. Is your life and its circumstances, and by circumstances folks, I mean mostly we're talking about the ones we don't want to be in. Is your life and your circumstances, are they available to God? To show His glory to your neighbors, to your family, to your friends, to your co-workers? God, use, I don't want to be here, but I'm here. So, so use my life to show your, your glory. Second phrase, set of phrases. They feared greatly. That one I get, don't you? (laughs) They feared greatly. And look what Moses says. Fear not. Would Would you hear each one of these phrases? Fear not. Stand firm. See the salvation of the Lord. Not that it needs to be, but I... I think those three things could be reduced to two statements. Wait and watch. Wait and watch. You know, I, I, I struggle with the Israelites in this story. And I say that like it's some great confession. No, I, it, most of the time, folks, when we're reading about the Israelites or some other person or individual, I'm kind of quick to see me in that. You know, hey, how do I run away? How do I fail in that moment? How do I not acknowledge God? Because any story about a group, any story about a person is a story about you. And it's a story about me. But I want to be honest with you. I struggle with the Israelites in this one. I, 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 it's hard for me to see how quickly they abandon God here. Because it's not years ago that they saw God work. It's days ago. Just days, let's say this is Sunday morning. It's just last Tuesday. The last three weeks, ten times, they saw the power and the glory of God fall from heaven. And not only did that glory punish their enemies, but it kept them protected. They know what the power of God can do. They know what the glory of God can do. They just saw it. And, and here they are saying, I'm sorry I ever trusted in you. I'm sorry I ever... How, 
But so, so then what I do is, I, okay, so I, I try to put myself in their spot, right? Now, now where are they? Okay, the, the sea's right here. The army of Egypt is over there, and there's a mountain, a wall behind me. I'm trapped. And I'm not just trapped. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, Karen is standing here with me. And, and my kids, and, and Walton and Rose, my grandkids, the most precious things on the whole planet. I mean, Walton and see what I'm saying? I'm standing here trapped, and Walton and Rose are here with me. And you know, it's not just my family. I mean, this is a big group. I mean, if you're traveling in a big crowd, it's not just your family. Who else is around you? You see your friends? The, the people you live life with? The people you love? Man, I'm standing here with the most important people in my life. And it looks like in about the next three minutes, I'm going to watch them all get slaughtered. Or they're going to watch me get slaughtered. And I won't be around to see them get slaughtered. But nothing good is about to happen. I don't know. I, I see the army coming and I got Walton and Rose. God, what are you doing? All of a sudden, I, maybe I lose a little bit of confidence in myself that I would have responded right. And I know y'all wouldn't have. <laughs> I, I, I think they should have known better. But I'm not the one standing there with my children and grandchildren about to get killed. So look at, look at what Moses tells them to do. I mean, folks, this is a... This is so much more than a miracle. If all you see is a miracle, you've really missed what's going on here. Because what Moses says to them works whether the Red Sea parts or not. That's a, that's a huge statement. Okay, I, I came to church today to find out three things to do so that things will go better this week. If it's not going to go better, then why am I doing the three things? Because, folks, the reality is the Red Sea doesn't part every single time, does it? And what Moses is saying here works in all situations. As a matter of fact, there's a great passage in the Bible, Hebrews chapter 11. Sometimes it's referred to as the Hall of Fame of Faith. If you ever want to, like, read the whole Bible in one chapter, Hebrews 11 is pretty close. Acts chapter 7 is pretty close. It's, we've got a couple of chapters in the Bible that just kind of tell the whole story. And in Hebrews chapter 11, it just gives one statement after another of a person or a group of people that believed greatly on God and, and what came out of that. Well, that's, okay, so what did, what did they do? What's the three steps to a miracle in my life? Don't you expect a pastor to say, it's to give to the church, then you'll get a miracle. <laughs> you won't hear that from me. What are the three steps so I can get my miracle? And man, it's just faith, miracle, faith, miracle, faith, miracle, faith and great work of God over and over and over. But the reality is that's not what the Bible is saying happens every single time. L look up here, Hebrews eleven twenty nine. I went ahead and threw in the line about the Red Sea. Okay, by faith, that's how every line in Hebrews 11 begins. By faith, people crossed the Red Sea is on dry land. But others, okay, there was others that didn't see the Red Sea parted. They were, they were mocked and they were flogged. Some of them 
Some of them ended up in handcuffs and chains. And they, got, they, they were imprisoned. They were stoned. Man, I tell you what, I don't want to be sawn in two. I, I don't know what bad thing you're looking, for, looking at this week. And maybe you came to church today saying, God, I need a miracle. I need you to get me out of that, that bad thing. I'm tell you what, sawn in two sounds like a pretty bad deal. If I'm sawn in two, I kind of see myself standing before God. And saying, hey Lord, I was kind of hoping I was going to see the parting of the Red Sea there. Not the, not the parting of me. Huh? What Moses tells them to do works regardless of what comes next. Wait and watch. When we watch, what, we will, what will we see? We will see, if this is how we yield our lives, we will see God get glory. I don't know if what I'm going through is something my kids need to see, my mate, a neighbor. You know what? There might be, I bet some of you have had this happen. There might be somebody watching that I don't even know is watching. I don't even realize that somebody is going to see God's glory through me. And I, I didn't even realize going through that, that that was, that was going on. But God will get glory in every single circumstance. And I will be rewarded. Sometimes in this life, always in eternity. Now, you know, I just introduced something very big there that's not in Exodus chapter 14. Because pretty much what I'm saying is the only ability that you and I have to wait and to watch is with an eye on God in eternity. And yet, when I read Exodus 14, you didn't hear the word heaven, you didn't hear the word eternity. But folks, if you have God and you have eternity, you have everything. And not only do you have everything, but you can't lose it. But if you don't have God and you don't have heaven, I don't know how you do it. You should live in utter fear every single day. I don't know how old you are. I don't know all you've experienced. But I'm old enough and I've experienced enough to know you possess nothing that you can't lose by dinner time tomorrow night. Well, my marriage is good and secure. Well, I can give a testimony about how healthy and strong I am. I've got lots of money. Folks, have you looked around? Do you absolutely understand? You possess nothing you can't lose by tomorrow. You should be afraid. All you have is this moment in front of you. And it looks like that moment is trying to take from you. But if I've got God and I've got heaven. Now, folks, that doesn't mean I have a cavalier attitude uh, uh, about what I have on this earth. Saying I have God in heaven doesn't mean, oh, I don't, I don't care if one of my children hurts and suffers. Oh, I don't care if I lose my job. I'm going to heaven. No, I, that's not what I'm saying. The loss, the pain, the death in front of me might be very real. And the scripture doesn't call me to put a smile on and act like that's wonderful. What the scripture does call me to is a faith that can see beyond 
the pain, the loss, the death to the eternal good and the glory of God that is in front of me. And it's, it's that focus that gives me the ability to wait. And what does it mean to wait? I mean, hey, a lot of us are waiting. We're waiting because we're forced to. I'm waiting on a report. I'm, I'm waiting to see what the boss is going to do. I'm waiting to see what my grade is going to Waiting doesn't mean you're waiting on God. Moses said, wait on God. How do you know if you're waiting on God? You're waiting on God if you're praying. If you're not praying, there's, you're not waiting. You're not, you're not doing what Moses is challenging us to do if you're not praying. There's no way to say, I'm waiting on God, but I'm not praying. I would suggest you're probably praying fervently. You're praising God. God, I, I praise you in the storm. Don't we sing something like that? God, I give you thanks. I, right now, I'm kind of focused on what I'm losing or what I'm about to lose, but I want to be thankful for all I have, all I've enjoyed God, I'm praying for help. My, my natural tendency in the midst of a problem is my glory and my good and that I be seen as okay. But God, I want help that my only focus is your glory and your good and that you're seen as okay by anybody that's watching. I mean, you're not going to come to that place without prayer. You're not waiting if you're not reading Scripture. You know, when we're anxious, when we're scared... My my tuning gets all messed up. <laughs> and pretty soon I start thinking my thoughts, my ideas, certainly has got to be what God's thoughts are and God's ideas. Man, I need to be in God's words. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's what you sound like. That's the kind of thing you say. That's what you do. i got to be in God's word, especially when I'm anxious and scared and the army's coming. Because I gotta, I gotta, that's going to help me focus and that's going to help me see the Lord. Folks, I'm not waiting if I'm not actually... Hey, listen, when you, when you first realize you have to wait, everything you want is what comes to mind. But if I'm waiting on God, then I am moving toward the place where I'm saying, God be seen. God, your glory. God, whatever happens to my body, whatever happens to my family, whatever happens to my life but that you are seen. Boy, those are hard words, folks. Those words are so cool in church. But they're hard words when you're living it out there, right? Those are hard words. But this moment is not my everything. Folks, I hurt for people. I hurt for my neighbors and my coworkers and my friends. I hurt for people for whom that health report is everything because they've got nothing else. That promotion is everything because they've got nothing else. Folks, this moment is not my everything. God is my everything. Heaven is my everything. Keep my eye on that. And oh, folks, when we can keep our eye on that, Exodus 14, 14 becomes mine. The Lord, the Lord will fight for me. I just, I just get to stand here and watch. It's a great ride. It's a little bit of a roller coaster. 
Have you ever noticed on a roller coaster, you have one emotion that can be described with two different words? You, you realize thrilled and terrified is the exact same feeling. Most of us want to be thrilled. Almost none of us want to be terrified. But they're the same thing. Faith can be a lot like that. It really can. Faith can be somewhere between thrilled and terrified. But when you ride the ride of faith, you'll get back in line every single time. Because faith in God does not disappoint. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we... We worship you. We got to see today there's one God. There's one creator. There's one who has all glory and power. Lord, may we act like it. Lord, I, I pray you would guide every, every one of us. Every one of us here in this room. Everyone out there in our Midlothian campus. Everyone watching online. Guide every single one of us. Every living, breathing person right here, right now. To think of one place in our lives. Just one place where right here, right now, we can say, God, may you be seen in that. I've had other priorities. I've had other prayer requests about that person, about that situation. But God, right now, more than anything else, I want you to be glorified in that. God, would you help us each one to think about that place, that situation. God, you are worthy of using my life, using our lives in any way you choose. You be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.